Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Han Talks First. I am Han, the host of your show today. It's a Star Wars podcast. We talk about everything Star Wars, but today we are talking about part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I must say, look, first of all, we're going into heavy spoilers, heavy spoilers. I'm not going to lie. This episode was extremely disappointing, and I'll get into reasons why later, but I, I don't know. Just watching it, it, it just it was painful to watch at some parts. And it's weird because I was really digging episodes one through three. There were some weak moments, but all in all, I was absolutely loving this show. So stick around. Let me know your thoughts in the chat or in the comments down below. And for the podcast listeners, we are live. We're doing this episode live for the first time in a while for the Obi-Wan Kenobi review. So guys, sit back, relax. You are listening to Han Talks First. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So, yeah, overall, my first thoughts of part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi were extremely disappointing and laughable at some points. The part where Reva says to Leia, let's make those tears real. I think she was actually talking to me because I felt myself just getting more and more disappointed as this episode progressed. And I think to start things off, I want to first talk about Vader. Okay. And I'm kind of going to bounce all over the place here, but I think starting with Vader is a really important uh, thing to address going forward in my review for this episode. So first of all, when it, when it does that quick cut to Vader after Reva loses Kenobi yet again, it's him walking down a hallway, fast paced. It's kind of a Dutch angle almost, but the music kicks in. He's walking towards the camera. It was a great cut. And at that moment I was like, okay, great. We're going to get some good Darth Vader moments and I can't wait to see what he does or how he reacts to the situation. Well, when he gets there and he confronts Reva about her mistake, he, you know, lifts her up, chokes her a little bit, and just says, I'm really disappointed with you. And I was like, okay, finally, we're getting into it. I think Reva's going to die. And you know what? He let her live. And the reason why I'm a little disappointed in this is because it goes against the character of Darth Vader. Now, look. When they announced they were going to be doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi series or a movie, whatever, whatever it was to be, it was going to mess with the continuity of Star Wars and Vader and Obi-Wan. It was going to. I mean, it already did when Revenge of the Sith came out. There's so many different things that are retconned or just don't make sense between all the films. But doing this show is a big one. And we knew they were going to mess some, some things up. And I was fine with that because I just wanted more Kenobi and I wanted to see them meet again. And, you know, I originally had a big issue with the show because I didn't think it could be done in a good enough way. But getting back to Vader, I don't find it believable at all that he would let Reva live. I mean, think about in the original Star Wars trilogy, any time one of Darth Vader's minions messed up or did something wrong, they never got chances. They were never redeemed. They didn't even get the chance to defend themselves or speak up for themselves. I mean, look at Captain Antilles and Captain Ozil, I think, um, Admiral Piet, all, all, these, all these characters, Captain Nita. Once they did something wrong or they let Obi-Wan get away or Luke Skywalker get away or Han Solo got away, he would choke them out and kill them. That's who Vader was. That's who he is. He doesn't give people chances. He's a dark lord of the Sith. 
And the fact that he just lets Reva explain herself, I thought was just going out of character a little bit. And honestly, this scene probably wouldn't have rubbed me the wrong way if the rest of the episode had been good. And I don't think it was good. Look, part one of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I was giddy for. I thought it was great. It was, it was an amazing episode of television. Part two came out, and I know why they released them at the same time, because part two was a little lackluster. It was still, it was good, but it wasn't great. Part three came out, it was better, but it wasn't great. And then episode four, part four, the halfway point of the series, halfway through. And this was the worst episode. That means there's two episodes left and they really have to do something special and amazing to really save this show for a lot of people. Not me. I think I'm going to end up really liking the show once it's over. But there's just so many things that happened in this episode that were just completely, totally, stylistically, and other filmmaking techniques was just, it was poor. It was poorer than its previous episodes. Anything from the actors acting in this was, was pretty bad. And the visual effects, the visual effects were really bad in this. So let's jump through and talk about the filmmaking real quick before we get into any of the, any of the moments or any of the scenes that took place in this episode. So the first part I want to talk about is the coloring of this episode. If you guys remember in last week's part three, when we finally got Vader, the second half of the episode was very, very dark. Sometimes it was too dark. You can't even see what's going on on screen. And I was willing to let that go because I was like, okay, maybe this is a stylistic choice. Maybe this is uh, Deborah Chow's way of invoking the darkness going on in the moment. But after this week's episode and seeing how dark, literally dark it was from beginning to end, it made me question if it's not a stylistic choice, but it's actually trying to cover something up. And I think it has to do with the coloring. The color timing on this episode was very, very bad. I mean, there's moments where you just see close-ups of Ewan McGregor and his eyebrows are orange, but in the previous shot, they were light brown, which is his normal color. And I think where they had issues was the lightsabers. We all know now that the lightsabers they're using on sets these days are very practical as far, not like an actual lightsaber, but they're using an actual staff that lights up and gives off a glow so they can have real lighting in real time. But some of the issues I noticed in this episode, because the framing is so dark, when the lightsaber turns on, it flushes out any of the characters' faces, Obi-Wan in particular. Every time he ignited his lightsaber, his face got washed out and it just looked really bad. It was hard to see what was going on. And even when I was getting this episode together to do my review and taking screenshots of the show, I found my eyes starting to hurt because I just couldn't tell what was going on. And I've watched it on three different screens by now, uh, four different screens actually. And every time it's, it's really hard to focus on what's going on on screen. And I think this needs to be addressed in future Star Wars projects, Disney projects. It reminds me when Solo, a Star Wars story came out. That movie was extremely dark. And now that one was intentional. I don't think that was a, a technical error. I think 
the cinematographer on Solo said that it was a stylistic choice to make the contrast really, really low. So, but it reminded me a lot of that. And I, it's, it's hard to focus. I mean, look at some of these shots on the screen. The scene where I think his name's O'Shea Jackson came on, that was relatively daylight and you could barely see his face. The ending shot with Leia, it, it almost feels grainy. And on top of that, they're adding this weird post-production vintageette around the corners of the frame to make it appear even darker than it actually is. But another reason why they might be doing that is to try and add light to the center, the focal point of the framing. But it really doesn't work. I just found it really difficult to watch. Again, I'm going to keep saying that. but um, And a lot of this also has to do with the directing. But there's been a lot of moments in Kenobi where I've really noticed the direction not being on point. And a lot of that in this episode had to do with the moments between Riva and Leia. These moments were really difficult for me to watch. I I don't know if it was the long pauses between dialogue or the dialogue itself or the way these actors were talking to each other, but it was really hard to watch at some points. Now, all of this has to do, I think, in addition to the directing, the acting with the dialogue itself, the story itself. Now, getting into a little bit what about this show should be as far as a limited series, that's sort of a limited series. Typically, with a story such as a six-part limited series, these episodes should be hour-long segments. It's segment programming. It's essentially a extended version of a film. It's a film for TV, is how it should be approached, at least in the classic way of pitching limited series television. This is how it's always been. And each installment of the series should include its own act structure. Typically with limited series, such as HBO series, which they do a great job on, Mayor of Easttown is a great example. Each episode has a five or six act structure that they follow. And each story is contained. Each episode is containing its own story. Where And then throughout the entire narrative of all six episodes, it fills in an overall arcing narrative that is served more and more through each separate act. And what I struggle with with this episode is finding out what the goal of this episode was. If we're also talking about television formatting, television is a character's medium, whereas films and movies are a story medium. So there should be a real strong focus on character. I mean, the show is called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I didn't learn anything about Obi-Wan in this film. In this episode, sorry. I don't know what he learned here. I don't know what he was going through. It was just him walking through an abandoned building. I mean, if we look at all the other parts of Obi-Wan so far, the first episode, he's kind of coming to terms with like, you know, maybe I should get back into things. The second episode, which I'm not actually remembering, so I'll jump to the third. But in the third episode, he was really connecting with Leia. And we found out more about him reflecting back on Padme, starting to accept the past, which has been a reoccurring theme of this from the start. But in this episode, there was there was nothing that told us anything else about Obi-Wan Kenobi. So my question is, what is the goal of this episode? And that leads me to the question of what is the goal of this whole series? 
it has to have a closer. It's a limited series. Is the goal the final showdown of a century? The fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan? Because that's the if that's the ultimate goal and the only mission for this this project, that doesn't seem like a very strong goal to have. So yeah, it's just it bothers me a little bit. I mean, the only thing that we really learned in this episode was that they're keeping the Jedi that they hunt in little ice cubes down in the basement of this place, which I don't know. <laughs> it was cool, I guess, but it was still kind of, it was still kind of annoying a little bit, but yeah. So story is a big question here. I, I think the dialogue in this was actually really poor. It was some of the, the worst dialogue, dialogue we've seen in, <laughs> in the show, potentially in all Star Wars television. So I don't want to just, talk about all the things I didn't like about this episode. I, I did enjoy a few moments. So let me share some of that with you. So right at the beginning when he's having his bathtub tank massage uh, spa day, you know, reviving himself from when he was burned. I actually did enjoy this because of the nice parallels and side-by-side cutting of Darth Vader also being his, in his bathtub tank. And what's weird though is this was so when I first saw this, I thought, okay, Obi-Wan is healing at the same exact time that Darth Vader is healing. And while they're both healing, they're kind of in a meditative state, you know, isolated, um, floating, giving the impression of like meditation. But when they are, it's actually not happening at the same exact time. Because if you remember in a couple scenes later, when he's talking to Shane, I think is the character's name, O'Shea Jackson. He, he's asked where Vader is, and he said, oh, he's still flying on his shuttle. So that 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 moment actually was not happening at the same time. So that confuses me even more because it was such a great moment, and I feel like it was instantly negated, which is such a shame. But that was probably the highlight of this for me, the first opening when I thought that it was them having a moment through the Force, their bond kind of coming back into existence now that they know of each other's existence. But on top of that, you know, I'm really tired of Basta tanks being like a scapegoat for Star Wars storytelling. Anytime someone gets hurt now, they could just easily just go into a Basta tank and live. I mean, Cobb Vanth got shot. And no worries, just throw him in the Basta tank. Can escape death. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I think Basta tank should be for healing, not for full out reviving, because it's starting to lose. The stakes in Star Wars. The same thing happened in the Book of Boba Fett when they were doing the modifications on people, the augmentations, the mechanics. It's It loses stakes. It just makes it harder to believe that there's going to be obstacles for these characters or that someone can die. I'm just... It's really frustrating. And if the Grand Inquisitor shows up too and he's not actually dead, it's, it's going to hurt it even more. I'm just... It's a struggle. It's a struggle to see Okay, so let's talk about Reva. Like I said, the the moments between Reva and Princess Leia were the roughest parts of this episode. They cut back to this scene like seven or eight times through the episode. It was a long scene. If it had been one, like strung together, cut as one scene, it would have totally killed <laughs> this show. The acting was really bad. I, I want, was was Deborah Chow there? Was she there that day? Was she sick? Because uh, was were they on their own? 
where they just uh, showed up on set and they're like, okay, let's let's just uh, let's see what we can do. Because, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, there were pauses between dialogue that were so so long. The chemistry between those two actors are not good. I didn't believe them for one second. And it's hard for me to say this next part, but Moses Ingram is really not doing a good job in this episode. <laughs> I, I really liked her in episode three. Uh, I liked her in episode one a lot. But two and four were... It, it was significantly performing worse than her other episodes she was in. And I don't... I. I don't think she's to blame, to be honest with you. I really don't. I think it is, one, the writing, the writing in this. Some of the lines she had to deliver. Let me me look up something that I wrote down here. Okay, so, like I said at the beginning of the show, when she said to Leia, it's time to make those tears real. Oh, my God, that hurt. God, that hurt. It sounds like something I would write, something a bad writer would write. It was was really bad. and when she's interrogating Leia, when she has her up on the the little uh, torture device, and she's like, now's your chance to tell me what you know. And she just starts screaming, and then Reva yells out, say something! That hurt, too. Oh, my God, I was cringing. It, it was so difficult to watch. And then it kept going. Another line of hers that was really, really bad was when she was having her interaction with Idirna. I don't, I don't know the character's name, but the actress Idirna. And she was just like, uh, I know what you're doing. And Idirna was like, no, I'm on your side. And she was like, then admit you're a spy. And I was like, come on. Where was Deborah Chow that day? <laughs> ah, it's just all alone in the world to the performer. I think it is a combination of the dialogue and the directing that is ruining the performance of Reba. I think it's a strong character. I really think there has a lot of potential for who she is, her background, where she could go. I think she's going to die at the end of the series. I think it's 100% given. Um, But man, this episode, the acting was really bad. And the sweet girl who plays Princess Leia, I adore her. She is so cute. Um, I love seeing her on screen. I think she's wonderful, but she was also really bad in this episode. And it's not just me picking on the women. I think Ewan McGregor also did a bad job in this episode, too. Again, we don't know anything about what was going through his head. We don't know what his motives are, what he's thinking. No character beats. It was just him spinning around, wielding a lightsaber, which is, like, you know, fun to look at. But when it ties into the poor directing, the bad coloring, the the logic issues in this episode, it's just, it's so distracting. And the last thing I'll say about Reva is... The moment she's sharing with Idirna on screen, talking about her being a spy. And then Reva gets called away because Obi-Wan is loose. And so she leaves the room first, right? Reva walks out, followed by Idirna. Yet Idirna makes it to Obi-Wan first. In a place that she's never been, never had clearance to. She knows her way around quicker than Reva does. Reva practically lives there. The same exact thing happened in last week's episode when they were going through the path and Idirna is going out to rescue Obi-Wan and leaves Leia in the tombs and then she goes out but doesn't pass Reva in the path, like a single pathway. It was the same exact logic issue here. 
I just don't understand how Riva didn't get to Obi-Wan Kenobi first. What is she doing? Did she have to go to the bathroom? Did she have to take a poopy? It's just so it's frust- it was frustrating to watch because I, look, I really want to love this show. I really do. But there's some logic holes and uh, let's just go on to another topic. Fortress Inquisitories. Number four. Technically it's the fourth one. Oh my god. Such a cool concept. Such a cool design. Such a really cool place. But they totally destroy it in this episode. So if you remember when they're first talking about Fortress Inquisitorious, um, Obi-Wan, Adirna, and Shane and their new friends are talking about how we're going to break in, right? And the one girl is pretty much saying, look, it's impenetrable. And Shane says, no one is that stupid to try and attack the base. They're hyping it up. They're saying this is like, it's a dead zone. If you try to go there, you're out. It's guarded by tons of Marines. It's got ships all over the place. Has a moat. It's a water moon. <laughs> it has a giant moat. There's nowhere to go. It's not safe. It's impenetrable. Yet, they can easily crack a window. Cracking a window by one little blaster shot? What? What in the world? And then they say later that shot to the window almost took down our entire fortress. Well, let me just tell you if one little blaster bolt is going to destroy an entire building, and collapse on itself, you shouldn't call it a fortress. <laughs> you don't think that when they were designing this complex that they would have made windows that were thick enough and durable enough to withstand a blaster bolt or a lightsaber? They are housing Jedi on ice in this place. That's like, they, they built it up as this impenetrable fortress, yet it was easily about to be destroyed. It's just, it made no sense to me. And then at the end, when they get away, where's the photo? <laughs> where's the photo here? At the end, when they get away in the little ship, which we'll talk about, okay? But at the beginning of the show, when Reva first went there, they, they showed a master shot, an establishing shot of them arriving, and it showed all these TIE fighters in the hangar and ships on the ground, tons of ships, tons of soldiers, anything you could want at a secret base. Yet when they fly away, when Obi-Wan and Princess Leia fly away in the in little rebel ship, why don't, why don't they just go after them? Why don't Reva knows she's going to be lectured by Darth Vader on what just happened and risk potential death. Just go after them. Go. Go get you have a billion ships. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? I think it's a little different than last week's episode when Darth Vader let Obi-Wan get away. I think that was significant. And I do think there was some narrative purpose to that, uh, which I can explain later. But this one, it's just like, guys, just hop in your ship and go get them. You have, as Obi-Wan would say, the high ground. You have all these resources. They're in one lowly ship. You shot down the other one, no problem. It's, I just don't understand. You know, it's, it's kind of frustrating. And Rita does this a lot. She did it in the first, in the second episode. She did it in the second episode when she let Obi-Wan and Princess Leia get away on the cargo ship. What, what, she had to go to the bathroom again? You had to go poopsie? <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of frustrating. Let's move on and talk about Shane, the new character, O'Shea Jackson. Everyone thought he was going to come into the show as a Jedi. Well, nope. <laughs> His wife was a Jedi, but not him. Um, 
look, this character, again, going back to the writing, this was very poorly written. Okay. First of all, when he first meets Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's like, hey, man, you want to come help me break into uh, Inquisitorius so we can, we can save Princess Leia? Well, this is what he says. This is what he says verbatim. He says, it's not my problem. I won't help you. And then he goes on this big rant about how he hates the Empire and he doesn't want to get involved. It's too dangerous. He, he even says it's impossible to do at one point. Yet, Obi-Wan, all he has to say is, come on, won't you help me? Don't you know how difficult the Empire is? And then he says this. He says this to them. Okay, if you want my help, you got it. What? Right after he just said it's a suicide mission, he won't help, he's not interested. Three seconds later, he's like, okay, if you want my help, you got it. What? What? Who is writing this show? Who is supervising the writing on this show? And it's just this episode. Maybe they had a staff writer come in and write this episode. I don't know. The dialogue was pretty bad. What were they thinking when they were on set? When they were on set shooting it? And he says, five seconds earlier, it's not my problem. I will not help you. It's impossible. And then immediately goes, you know what? If you want my help, you got it. Excuse me? What? I laughed out loud. This is the laughable moment I mentioned at the beginning of the show. When I said I was disappointed, I found this laughably embarrassing. This was that moment. It was the start of it anyway. The side characters, the guest stars on this show are poorly directed and again it ties into the writing um another another one of which who i thought was very bad um side character was the um the woman pilot who helped save them at the end oh my gosh another laughable moment they came back in through the corridor and o'shea jackson comes in and he's just like so where's the other guy and she just looks at him completely deadpan no emotion no feeling (laughs) i couldn't help but laugh i was like what what? What are you thinking? What is going through your head? What is that face? Is I don't know. That's just a side thought. Okay, so honestly, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I don't want to keep going because, you know, I'll just keep complaining. But actually, I will mention this. Where is the photo? Where is the photo? We got to see General Hawks' great, 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 great grandpa. I'm kidding. It's not. But that dude at the Inquisitories definitely did look like him. Okay, moving on. Uh, Oh, the other thing that kind of bothered me is when Obi-Wan first breaks into Inquisitorius. He comes in through the vents on the side or whatever, and then he takes down the first stormtrooper, and he's just laying in the puddle behind him, and it's like, dude, grab his armor. Grab his armor. What are you doing? You're supposed to be sneaky. You're not being very sneaky walking around in Jedi robes when they're all looking for Jedi. Put on the armor. (laughs) It would have been a nice callback to A New Hope. They did have a callback to A New Hope when he did, like, the noise thing with the Force to make the Stormtroopers go away. But he was like, dude, just put the armor on. It'll, it'll save you tons of time and tons of stress. Um, okay, look. So, overall, look. This show, man, I'm telling you, these last two episodes, they really have to bring it back home. They really have to save this. I, it's bad enough this is only six episodes long, but this this whole experience is proving my point. This should have been a movie from the beginning. 
All this feels like this was a filler episode. And if you have a six-episode miniseries, there should not be any filler episodes. Remember what I was saying at the beginning. When you're when a group of people or company is pitching limited series as an option for a network or a streamer, the thing that they have to be able to pitch is that each episode has a five to six act structure per section, per part. And then overall, there's an overall narrative arc for the main storyline, but there has to be segmented episodes that stand alone. This one does not stand alone. Again, we didn't learn anything about Obi-Wan Kenobi in this episode. There was, there was no motive. There was no character beats. It's a character show called Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we didn't learn anything new about Obi-Wan Kenobi in for six episodes. The show feels like it's putty and it's being stretched Actually, you know what it feels? I'm going to take a Lord of the Rings quote. The show feels like butter spread across too much bread. It's being stretched out. And because of that, I mean, it felt stretched out, and the episode was 30 minutes long. It was a 30-minute episode. And it felt really long and stretched out. I, just, I don't know. I see some people have commented. Uh, I'm going to take a look and see what you guys are saying uh, before we get out of here. Um, so uh, thanks for watching live. If you watch live, if you're watching on the playback, thanks so much. Like the video for me. It's the audio listeners. You're awesome. So Tweed Tone is back and says, man, I give it to, I give Disney too much hope and expect too much. I strongly dislike the sequels, but I didn't jump ship. The ending of episode three and episode four sealed the deal and lost my hope. The leaks are true. Oh man. Tweed Tone. I'm really sorry, man. I'm sorry you lost your hope, which, which, is funny because the creators of the show said that this, the main theme of Obi-Wan should be about hope. <laughs> um, I don't know about the leaks. I didn't watch them or look at them. I wanted to go in blind, but I'm sorry to hear that. Frank Tate says this episode didn't make any sense. Um, but you did like the scene where he rescued Leia, but that's cool. That's cool. I mean, yeah, it didn't make sense. I think that's because there was, there was no story. There was no plot. There was nothing going on in this episode. He breaks into the Inquisitorius. They set up something that there might be a hidden room, a bottom level to the uh, Inquisitorius that is like a MacGuffin. Like, what are they doing there? What's the purpose of the Inquisitors? It did go somewhere where they're, they're housing the Jedi there. They're keeping them on ice or orange goo, whatever that is. Um, but it felt like it was going to go to the next level, to another stake, to another plot beat, uh, but it didn't go there. So I think I think that's kind of where the audience is disengaged. There was there was nothing for us to clamor onto in this episode. I mean, we know he's going to get Leia. We know he's going to get him. We know he's going to come from Vader. We know that. What the show needs to do is focus on Reva a little bit more. Make her character better. And the reason why I say that is because the audience knows zero information about Reva. Therefore, emotionally, we're curious about what's going to happen to her. I think she's going to die. But because we don't know what's going to happen to her, that's what will keep us interested. We know what happens to Obi-Wan. He goes off, he trains Luke for a little bit, then he dies, whatever. We know what happens to Leia. She goes off, she you know becomes a princess, she helps uh, save the galaxy, destroy the Death Star, whatever. But we don't know what happens to Reba. That's why she should be an interesting character. She should have more focus on her on her overall arc and what 
what she's doing. It's episode four, and we still don't really know what she wants. It's kind of confusing, isn't it? Uh, Tweetown also says, it's also amazing how the terrible writers from Lucasfilm shift their bad writing and lines to racism. I think the actress who plays Riva is given horrible lines in poor direction. Yeah, Tweetown, that's exactly what I said. I really don't think she's to blame. I really think it's the writing and the directing. I think Moses Ingram is a good actor. I saw her in, um, what was that limited series called? With... um, Oh, what's her name? She was in The Northman. Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, the Queen's Gambit. She was great. She was wonderful in that. She actually was probably my favorite character in Queen's Gambit. Um, I saw her in something else, too, but I remember. I don't remember the name, but I remember liking her. I think she has the qualities and talent of an actress to be able to perform well. But, yeah, she was really not good in this episode. Really not. Again, I think Deborah Chow was sick that day. Maybe she had to go poopsie. Maybe she was in the bathroom all day. She had food poisoning from uh, blue milk. <laughs> um, what else are we saying here? Uh, he gave a speech about why he won't help. Then immediately changes his mind out of nowhere. These writers are not that good. Nope. Um, year. What's up, Year? Good to see you, buddy. Uh, year Kick says, Year Network, sorry, says, I hope the last episode is good at least. I really look, I mean, at this point, if, if next week's episode, if episode five is bad, if episode five is like this week's episode, even if the finale is amazing, it's going to ruin the show. It's going to ruin the show because, because it's three for three. That's 50%. Yes. It's a majority, but it's half the show is garbage. Right. I think I, at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to end up still liking this show. But if next week's episode is bad, I'm not going to want to rewatch this ever again. And before this episode came out, I was telling my girlfriend that before the finale, I want to rewatch all the episodes and do a marathon. But now I, I really, I don't want to go back and watch that episode. I really don't want to live through that again. It was just really bad. You know, look, I, we got to have some faith. I mean, the good news is, it's weekly television, which means next week we could have an episode that completely redeems it for us. Could. I could. So I guess we just have to wait and see. Again, the VFX, man. <laughs> the visual effects aren't important at all. You can give me crappy VFX, but if it's got a good story around it, it kind of doesn't matter. But because the story in this was really bad, it's like those VFX really stood out. They were pretty bad. Um, it's just, it felt like it was a whole new director on this episode. It didn't, it did not feel like the same person. Stylistically, the camera compositions were completely different. Again, it was extremely dark. After episode one and two, I could kind of tell what Deborah Chow's vision was, how she envisioned the look and feel of the show. And I loved it. But I kind of lost that now. It felt like she kind of phoned this one in. Again, she had food poisoning. She was in the bathroom. She had poopsies. Um, (laughs) I'll mention one more thing. Look, I've been a really big defender of the music in Obi-Wan Kenobi. It wasn't that good in this one. It really wasn't. I'm a heavy uh, focus on attention to the music whenever I watch something. Because I'm a musician. I also score things for short films. Um, 
I really didn't feel it in this one. I thought there were some parts that really didn't work. And also the one part that did work was when Obi-Wan Kenobi was swimming down below the fortress to break in. But that was John Williams' music right there. That was the Obi-Wan Kenobi theme. And that was the best part. I do think, I still think Natalie Holt is doing a great job. I really do. I mean, we've, this was one episode where I didn't enjoy the work. The previous three, I thought the music was great. So yeah, look, all we got to do, guys, is cross our fingers, cross our toes, cross our legs, cross our eyes. We got to hope that next week's episode is good. Two more weeks, two more episodes. I'll say this one last thing. I was actually pretty happy that Miss Marvel also dropped um, this same day, same night, because I needed a palate cleanser. I needed to get my mind off it. I needed something to make me feel good because after the episode, I was really like, damn. She was really disappointed, which is a shame because uh, I loved episodes one through three. Absolutely adored episodes one through three. And I see Zach saying, this show rocks. Sorry, hard disagree. Um, somebody could see him. Again, I absolutely adored episodes one through three. I don't want people to think that I absolutely hate this show and I'm just hating on it for fun. Um, this episode just didn't do it for me. It didn't speak to me. Um, I listed my reasons why, but I still stand by episodes one through three. Absolutely loved them. And uh, hopefully five and six are just as good. Well, guys, that's it for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off now. That was my review for episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, let me know what you guys thought in the comments and uh, on Instagram, wherever you want to reach me. Uh, everything's at Han Talks first. Subscribe if you're new. Like the video. It helps out so much. And check out the podcast feed as well. Just uploaded a new episode about Star Wars Pride. Uh, fan favorite characters. Talking about all the cool queer LGBTQ plus I characters in Star Wars that um, a lot of fans really like. So, Thanks for watching the show, guys. I will be back next week with more Obi-Wan Kenobi reviews and extra content, too. And until then, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the Force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.